Well, if you could open up to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, we're going to look at one verse. We started this verse on Good Friday. We said this verse encapsulates both Good Friday and it takes us all the way to Easter morning. And Hebrews 12, verse 2 is a very simple verse, but it explains why we celebrate. And look what it says. It says in verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, or even in the Greek, let us, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Because he is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. So other versions say he's the author and the finisher of our faith. He begins it and he ends it. He completes it. He who begins a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. It's the idea. So it says, we fix our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Then it says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and then he sat down at the right hand of the Father. So on Friday, we talked all about this idea of endure. And we talked about how Jesus took the full wrath of God. He took isolation, loneliness. He was humiliated and then he took shame and he ultimately died for us. He went to the bottom. He endured for the joy. So one of the phrases we used on Friday is this idea. What means the most to you, you pay the most for. So what really matters to you, you're going to spend a lot of money on. Where your heart is, where your treasure is, there is your heart also. So if I followed your bank account, I could get a pretty good idea what matters the most to you. If you followed my bank account, you see that it leads right to the bellies of my kids. That's where it goes. Because <laughs> they mean the most to me. And because they mean the most to me, I'll give them all I have. Jesus endured scorning the shame of the cross because he wanted something that meant the world to him. And he's willing to pay everything for it. And Hebrews said, calls it the joy. Calls it the joy. So the joy that he wanted, he was willing to endure the cross to get the joy. So the question is, what is the joy? Is the joy an empty tomb? And we'd say, of course the joy is an empty tomb. This might sound bad, but the empty tomb isn't the point. Often we think, yay, an empty tomb. Wonderful! In a sense, so what? So what? That's almost blasphemous. The empty tomb is nothing more than a sign that the purchase has been accepted by the Father. Because the Father accepted the payment of Christ on the cross, He allowed the Son to rise from the dead. So the empty tomb is nothing more than a receipt of payment. So you could say it like this. A receipt is an indication that the purchase has been made, but not the joy itself. This morning, a lot of Sundays, what I do is I go to McDonald's to get my breakfast Sunday meal. I get a number two. Do you guys know what a number two breakfast is? Sausage McMuffin with egg. You should know that. Sausage McMuffin with egg. So this morning, I have my receipt. I got my receipt. I took my bag from the window, which had the sausage McMuffin with egg, a hash brown, Brent had a hash brown, got a medium coffee. And then what I did is I took the bag of and I threw it out the window because I got the receipt, man. All I wanted is this receipt that says it's paid in full. 
The receipt is proof of the goods. I want the goods. So the question is, what are the goods of the empty tomb? What did he purchase? He purchased the joy. What made him most excited. And there's two parts of the joy. The first one I'm going to call the ultimate goal of Christ's death. It's going to be the ultimate thing we'll talk about. And then we're going to talk about the penultimate thing, which is just as important, but it's corollary to the first thing. But what is the joy? Why did Jesus do all this? And I would just simply said, because of the Father wanted it done. And he did it. He wanted to please his dad. He wanted to please the Father. The Father in eternity asked the Son to go. Look how, look how it's written. It's like this. So the Father and Son, before eternity, said, you know, sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though, though they were offered in accordance to the law. So basically what he's saying is everybody sins. People sin. To make payment for that sin, the Jewish law said you had to offer a lamb, a bull, and to cut the lamb's neck, take the blood, and offer that blood as a sacrifice. It's a sin offering. But God said, that's not really what I want. Because those sin offering didn't really pay the penalty. They covered the penalty. It wasn't enough. So then he said, this is Jesus talking. Here am I. I've come to do your will. He's come to please the Father. He set aside the first. He set aside the Old Testament law. Religion. He set aside religion. Doing, doing, doing. So he could be done with it. That's the second. Christ's payment on the cross. When he went all the way down. And died naked on a cross. It's spelled done. D-O-N-E. It is finished. So you don't need to be religious anymore. You need to be a believer. He set aside the first to have the second so you by faith can be saved forever. But all of this was the will of the Father. He did it to please the Father. What did he do? He fought the war. He fought the battle. And he came home to the pleasure of God. One writer says it like this. One writer said, there was no joy in heaven. There is no joy in all eternity like that of our Lord's meeting the Father after Calvary. Meeting his Father's infinite delight in his Son's absolute obedience. So you could say it like this. Jesus was sent to earth to fight war. When he got off of Calvary's cross, he came back up into heaven where the Father was so pleased with his Son that there's no greater joy. There's something in us. I don't, know how to, I don't know how to say this, but there's been something in us that where we want to please our dad. Even if you have a bad father, there's something in you, you still hope you pleased your dad. I think Jesus had that where all he wanted to do was please his father. And then kind of like the end of World War II, remember when World War II was over and they showed that picture in Times Square where that soldier was kissing somebody in the street, or all of the confetti's coming down because the war is over. When Jesus got out of the tomb and came up to see the Father, all the confetti of heaven from the angels' hands were coming down. 
And the Father and the Son embraced. And that was the greatest joy the Son did. He endured the cross to please the Father. Sort of like, do you remember when in Lord of the Rings and Frodo brings that ring to Mordor and he throws it in that hot molten lava of Mount Doom and it finally melts in there and everything, everybody's like, Frodo, he did it! He did it! And then the next scene, he wakes up in that bed. He accomplished the greatest task ever and all of his friends are just rejoicing. And then in comes the king. I think when Jesus came out of the tomb and entered the presence of the Father, there was no greater day in all eternity than that day. That's the ultimate reason he endured the cross. That's why he did it. To please God. To glorify his dad. There's a second reason, though. And this one pertains you. So he comes up into the presence of God. So Jesus, let's say, he goes down, he dies, goes down to earth, dies on the cross. Comes back up to heaven. You can start hearing the angels singing. He comes over to his father, and his father wants to reward his son. He wants to give his son a reward of triumph. He wants to give his son the greatest gift he can imagine to reward him for the greatest deed ever done. Do you know what that gift is? You. Jesus, through his blood, bought us, so he comes up to the Father. The Father gives the Son us. Jesus went to the cross to receive us as his gift. We are his inheritance. says this in Psalm 2.8. He said, I'm going to make all the nations of the world your inheritance, son. They're going to be his. His possession. Inheritance means what he's given from the Father and his forever. And then you have John 17 where he says, I have given them to you so you can glorify me. So we are his gift. So the son victorious, he comes up to heaven, goes to the Father, and the Father gives to Jesus us. Now when I hear that, I'll just be honest with you. This is where the story doesn't make any sense to me. Just being a human being. It doesn't make any sense to me because I know me. I know me. I sometimes, you know, will wake up in the middle of the night full of anxiety like I, I'm a failure. I know that I am not the person I wanted to be. I know that, man, I could be so much better at the things I've done, but I'm not. I'm just not. I wonder sometimes, to be honest with you, why you'd want me to even come up here and preach. You know, sometimes there's, why do, why do they want, there could be so, somebody so much better on Easter Sunday to tell you the gospel than me. Why would he want me? Like that's a question I think we all have to ask. What does Jesus want with us? How could that be a gift? So Jesus, he's, he's just beat the whole world. I mean, he's been humiliated, thorns on his head, comes up to the presence of the Father, and the Father says, hey, you won Chris Weeks. What kind of a deal is that? I mean, that's a, that's a cheap reward. 
wait a second, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something really weird. Some of you won't like this. Trevor doesn't like this. But the answer is, why does he want us? Here's the answer. It's because of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> Have you ever seen Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? Do you know what it is? Raise your hand if you've seen it. Raise your hand if you've not, not seen it. Oh, okay, so half of you, you're lucky you haven't seen it. When I was a kid, my mom used to make us, you know, put on pajamas when we watched the show, and I loved it. Now as an adult, I, why did I like that show? But here's how the show goes. It's really simple. It starts off in a scrapyard where this old, broken-down race car is in this junkyard. And these two little kids love this race car. They're English. They call it talk buggies, you know. Oh, you were all in bed. And they're in this little junky race car. It's rusty, has no wheels, it's broken, but they love this car because they hear old legends, what is a great race car. But it's old. They got a dad over here, his name's Caractacus Potts. Really weird name, it's Dick Van Dyke. You know the old bamboo, the old bamboo, if you know, you know what I'm talking about. Dick Van Dyke is a master mechanic. He comes over, he knows his kids love that car, so he takes this scrap metal, lifts it up, puts it on his wagon, and brings it into his garage. He puts it into the garage, and he closes the door of the garage, and the kids can't see, and the kids are waiting outside for their dad. And I mean, this dad starts tinkering on this thing. Boom, boom, tink, tink, zzz, you hear all this stuff. And the kids are waiting forever. What is he doing in there? And they try to peek, and they're not allowed in there. And he's just working and working on this piece of scrap metal. Then one day, the doors slowly open. They slowly open, and out comes this gleaming, bright car. It eventually can fly. That they are old. So it used to be a piece of junk metal. Now it's a car that everybody in town goes, whoa, what is that? It's chitty, chitty, bang, bang, chitty, chitty, bang, bang, chitty, bang, bang, chitty, chitty, bang, bang. It's a stupid song. I know. But if you, if you can capture that image, Chris Weeks is this piece of scrap metal. No one wants him. Broken, dead, and trespasses and sins. Every one of us, we have this germ in us. It's, it's in us by birth where we just ruin our lives. And for some reason, God said, I can do great things with that. Jesus, he gives them to Jesus. He goes, here you go, Jesus. Here you go. He's yours. And Jesus is like, I'm going to put him in my, I'm going to put him in my garage and I'm going to let the Holy Spirit get to work on him. And through life, the Holy Spirit works on me. And then out of this garage comes this guy that's nothing like that guy. Comes this person who gets to glorify Jesus Christ and God the Father with his life. It's unbelievable. What is the joy set before him? Why did he endure the cross? Because he knows what Chris Weeks is going to look like for all eternity. He wants you. He wants you to shine like a star in the sky. And the problem with most of us is all we do is heap abuse on ourselves. We are depressed and we think nobody wants us. We're just a piece of scrap metal. But he works on us in three ways. This is how it works. The first thing is he 
He wants us to first believe. This is the whole reason the book of John was written. So the book of John, the book of John is, some people would argue, is one of the greatest books ever written in the Bible. It's deep. It's really profound. But John writes in John 20, verse 31, why he wrote this book of John. I dare say even a book of John is used by more people to win people to Christ. But here's the reason. One little verse. These are written, these are written, this book, these words in this book are written, that you may believe, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. That this isn't a fable, this isn't a joke, that Jesus is the Messiah, which means coming King, He's the Son of God, and that by believing, by believing, you may have life in his name. If I believe that this Jesus really came and endured the cross, what this is saying, what this book is saying, that he puts the Holy Spirit of God in this piece of scrap metal. And I begin to, I begin to live. My eyes see for the first time. My failures don't mean anything because now I'm a new believer. I'm reborn. He has come First and foremost, so you'll believe. That's how you begin. The gospel's like a seed. The gospel is that Jesus came, died for your sins on the cross, was buried, and was risen from the dead. The reason why he did be risen from the dead is to prove that God accepted the payment. That's why he did rise from the dead. If you believe that and you embrace it by faith, that means you incorporate it into your life You're brand new. I don't know how to tell you, but I still look the same. I'm still that ugly guy in the mirror. I know, I know. That scrap metal is starting to be worked on and hammered at and chiseled, which brings us to the second reason he wants you. It's not just so you'll believe, but you'll start becoming like him or becoming what he originally wanted you to be. Listen to Ephesians. This is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. So Ephesians chapter 2 talks about by grace we're saved through faith. It's not, a, it's not at your work, it's by faith alone, so that no one can boast. But then it says this in verse 10. Verse 10 says, For we, you and I, are God's handiwork, his workmanship. We are the ones that he's working on in the garage. He's hammering on us. He's, he's welding new parts to us. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And then it says, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This means he knew you, he created you with purpose and design. And I know you feel like maybe I'm useless, but he has put the Holy Spirit in you so he can start changing you back into what you originally were designed to do. You are his workmanship. You are his machine. You are his son or daughter. Some of you really don't feel like you have purpose. It's too hard. God's going to be mad at you if you just don't do what he says. It has nothing to do with anger. It has everything to do with love. He loves you. Because he loves you, he wants you to have a new life. Remember, religion's done. Now it's relationship. Which leads us to the third thing, 
is once he starts working on us, he works on us so we can be his trophies. Ephesians 1.6, it's for the glory of the Father. Ephesians 1.12, it's for the glory of the Father. Ephesians 1.14, it's for his glory. So in other words, not only does he take this scrap metal and put new life in us, not only is he daily through the Holy Spirit working on us to become his, his machine to do good works, but there is going to be a day when we are going to be seen by the world and we're going to bless the world and be able to give him praise. Like, like I think sometimes people look at me and go, you're not that guy that used to be over there. What happened to you? He did it. Why are you so different? He did it. I was that guy. I really was. I really was that guy. But I believe this day when we get to see God is going to be worth everything. So, he endured the cross so you could be transformed and made brand new. You are his joy. You are his joy. Do you believe? Like, I'm not sure people really believe that. I think most of us walk around this depression. Woe is me. Life stinks. God hates me. God doesn't hate you. Dana, your son's thing. If God is for me, who can be against me? That's <laughs> right there's the gospel. So then what are we to do? So what are we to do? Do we just clap at the resurrection every Easter? Yay, he rose again. Next, sun, next Easter, yay, he rose again. Is that all we're here for, is just say, yay, he rose again? No, we're here to do something, which is this. This is an amazing verse. I'll read it in this Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. I'll read it in the NIV, then I'll show you how the NLT explains it. The NIV says this. Paul is writing, and he's talking about this, becoming and then blessing. He says in verse 12, not that I've already attained all this. Like, I'm, I'm not there yet. I'm still being worked on in a garage, still being hammered at. Not that I've already obtained all this. Or have already arrived at my goal. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Here's how the NIT puts it. I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ first pursued me. So here's, here's how the deal goes. All right. Hopefully you can follow me along with this. So what I said is that Jesus came to earth to endure, to fight the war. He won the war. He comes back up. He comes into glory. And you hear all the angels are throwing their confetti because the war is won. He comes into the presence of God. And God is so pleased. He's like, son, I want to give you a gift, and it's you. He gives you Chris Weeks. So Jesus now has Chris Weeks. And what it says here is he took a hold of Chris Weeks. So imagine I'm being led into the presence of God, and I'm this kind of, you know, from a piece of metal. Jesus takes a hold of me by the shoulders, and he said, I've been waiting for this. You're my possession. So he takes hold of me because he wants to put me in the garage to glorify the Father. Paul says, he like touches my shoulders, and I, I start, I see, and I'm like, I grab hold of him because I realize that's the thing I've wanted my whole life. So I take hold of him for which he took hold of me. 
so I can glorify God. And then here's the deal. It gets kind of weird. It goes like this. So God gives to Jesus me as a gift of love. Jesus takes me, transforms me into his image, so he can give me back to the Father as a gift of love. So here I am in the middle of a relationship between God and his son, and I'm the gift. That's weird, isn't that? Bob, isn't that weird? I mean, that's weird. You are that gift. But quit thinking you're nothing. Start taking hold of for which Christ took hold of you. He wants to glorify his son in you. He doesn't want you just to wallow through life. I think when we get to heaven, this is so incredible to me, like... um. I'm going to see my dad again. <laughs> Is that a joke or not? If, if, I'm not going, if heaven's a joke, what are we doing here? We're just playing, saying fairy tales to each other? Hey, that was a nice sermon. Way to go, Pastor Chris. You could have gave a better one than you did, though, golly. No, we're here because we have to remind each other that Jesus is coming and encourage one another as the day is approaching. What is that day? That day is this sky is going to be ripped open and the Son of Man is going to come down to claim the gift that he's been working on so he can get that gift and bring it to the Father glorified. So, in conclusion, I, uh, I had three funerals this past weekend. So on Thursday, I did a funeral for um, somebody who's 55 who went to our church Grew up in this church and passed away. It was a hard funeral. Yesterday at a funeral for a friend and her father has died. He was 80. And then I did a funeral on Friday for a 33-year-old man. He was in the prime of his life. And this guy, I'm telling you, he was amazing. He never did anything wrong. This guy that I did the funeral for on Friday... He would give sight to blind people. This guy, at the age of 33, he could have had the world, like the whole world, but he voluntarily, his funeral was weird because he voluntarily died. This guy who could have been rich beyond measure, like at 33, he could have had, he probably could have had 100 cabins up at Lake Michigan and gone hunting every October. But you know what? He gave all that up for you. He died for you. He died so that he could transform you and give you back to the Father who loves you and is for you. That person that I did a funeral for was named Jesus Christ. And on Sunday, he rose again to prove that it's all been paid for. This is no joke. This is no joke. Because you're going to get to sit with him at the right hand of the Father. That's how that verse ends. But here's the deal. When you, we, we talk about heaven, I don't think we understand what we're talking about. I think we're so used to... to um, let me put it like this. Have you ever been to Craig's Cruisers? Do you know what Craig's Cruisers are? Or let's say uh, Dave and Buster's. You know how you get those tickets? You play those little goofy games to get tickets that come out of that clicker and they kind of roll up 
and then some people will pray, play either Crossy Road or Deal or No Deal or other, just to get these tickets, and then you get a big ball of these tickets. And you go up to the counter, and you're like, oh, man, I'm going to win a prize, you know, and you put all those tickets up there, and they're clicking them out, and they get all that. You can buy, you can buy that stuffed animal up there, or you can buy a chemistry set, or a bouncing ball, you know, and then you bring it home, and you realize, I bought this big stuffed animal, and I sat on it one time, and all the styrofoam came out. This is the cheapest thing I ever saw. It's like those fair trinkets, they're sparkling stuff, but they're worth like two bucks. I just spent 150 bucks to win a $2 prize. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. It's like playing for trinkets. But so many of you guys are, all you're doing is playing for trinkets. I want to get that house. I want to get that new car. I want to get that special position. Yeah, but you're, you're, you've lost Jesus in the meantime. Who cares? I get all the trinkets. And when you go to heaven, you know, you know when you get that new car in two years, it's already rusting. Did you ever notice that? It drives you crazy, doesn't it? But you know what? When you get heaven, you get the real deal. You get everything. But too many of us, all we want are trinkets because they're shiny, sparkly, and they make me feel good today. Is that why Jesus died on a cross for you so you could have trinkets? Is that why he went to the depth of hell so you could have fun today? Why did he go to the depth of hell? He went to the depth of hell so you can walk the golden streets and reign with him forever. That's a good deal. He endured the cross, scorning its shame for the joy set before him. And then he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God where he's waiting for you. To get there, all you got to do is believe this and start living it. He's great. He's really good. And let's thank him in prayer.